0: Good afternoon. Sometimes I'm scared to come to 1130 because you never know when you'll go home. That's the truth. There's a bunch of us 830 folk, we are scared to come here. I wanna be real. Am I lying? Mm? People are making a sacrifice to be here, okay? Could be three o'clock, could be 1.30, could be four, you know? And you've added to this by doing an African double this morning. How are you going to have this brother, Brother Dunze, lunch and then bring up an African preacher? I've been trying to contain myself. I wrote a whole nother sermon. Right? Because you could feel the tropics. You could feel the spirit this place. As Lady Carmen said, Bishop is not here, um, but we honor him. He's in Ethiopia. He's, he's, he's on our, our homeland. And so I pray that whatever's happening there will be connected here. The truth is, this was a hard word for me to prepare and to give. Um, And I had to call my mother early this morning. And I called her because my mother is someone who I know, like the said, has always prayed for me. And those of you who know my story know how much my parents mean to me. And I needed her to release something inside me. But I didn't know I needed that. See, she said to me, you, you cannot be your father. You've got to be the man God has called you to be. You've got to say things God has called you to say. And so I ask that as we go through this, just pray for me as I'm praying for you. We'll have this conversation today. Because the worship that just happened Requires a response. Do people understand that? You don't just run around to church and get back in your car. Right? See, the danger can be that we do all of that. And nothing changes in here. The only reason the spirit moved to Brother Dunze Was so the waters would be Stirred. And you might reach out and get something that you otherwise ordinarily could not get. But you have to make that move. Remember when Jesus came to the pool at Bethsaida? I don't remember where it is. You're going to have to wait for Bishop for all the references, okay? (laughs) And he asked the man lying there, do you want to be well? And the man said, what are you saying? I can't you see how crippled I'm lying here? What do you mean? Do I want to be well? He said, but every time the pool is stirred, there's no one to help me. I can't get there in time. Right? There's, it's somebody else who prevented me from getting my blessing. Well, today you have no excuse. The kind of spirit that's here is challenging me as a preacher and you as a, as a listener right now. So let's do this thing. In the name of Jesus. I want to start off talking about Martin Luther King because it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. And Martin Luther King, I hope you all know, Dr. King was someone he studied here at Boston University. Let me repeat, he did seminary here in Boston. Right. So we have a connection to Dr. King. But he was a person who was so filled with the word, so filled with the word of God, that transformed everything that he did. On this day, as we celebrate Dr. King, right, I want you to take a look at that quote up there. I want you to take a look at it. Right? It, it talks about darkness. It says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Amen. Doesn't that apply to today? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. As we sit here, I was reminded of the scripture, 1 John 1 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Not at all. And so my fear is sometimes when we get to the, the worship and God is moving, we sometimes we pick the things we want and we leave the things we don't want. Right? And that's very natural. I'm very guilty of this because I don't want to do everything that I might be challenged to do. I want to do the things I'm comfortable doing. Right? And so we as a church, and if you're sitting here and you're, you're not a Christian and you're here the first time at church, I want you to know that God is a God who can take you from wherever you are to wherever he's going to take you. There's no obstacle there. But sometimes we, the people of God, get into a place where we accept gray. Not dark. Not light. Gray. I agree with some of this. I don't agree with some of that. Right? And the scripture today is going to challenge us because you see, Jesus did not play that game. He said, in God there is no darkness. Right? The second scripture that came to me this morning was 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, my grace is, is sufficient for you. This is my mother's favorite verse. For my power is made perfect in weakness. What that means is your weak spots are where God operates best. When you bring those to him, he turns those, that's where his power wants to go. Brother Dunze said it. Some of you are sitting here before me saying, oh, honey, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I think I'm doing the things of God. I think I'm following the way that I need to go. And I say, bless you. Bless you. That's right. But I challenge you to look for that area where the light has not reached yet and to bring it to God. Because people like Martin Luther King don't happen as demanded by accident. There is a version of yourself Fully filled with the word of God, that God is waiting to unleash on this world. We have more need in this world, and we have a church that can't be content to just run around. There is more brokenness out there. I talked to a brother the other day, and he's saying his wife told me he's, she's concerned he's going to kill himself. Why? Because he doesn't have any meaning in his life. He's just working and going and working and going. And we sat down to eat. She said she was concerned he was going to take his life because there was nothing of meaning. And we are here, however strong, 100, 200, 300 strong, celebrating this wonderful goodness of God. But God didn't give it for us just to sit here with it. On this Martin Luther King Sunday, you're supposed to take it and go. There are people waiting for you to transform their lives. And God is willing to do a transformation in you to make it happen. There's only one question. Are you going to lie by the pool and say there's no one to help you this morning? What would it look like to be fully filled with the word of God? When I say, I mean, you, we talk about prayer life. We talk about your word life. We talk about community. I, I call it all your presence life. Yes. Have you been in the presence of God? But this is very important and a, and a good and an important starting point. Because if Martin Luther King Sunday doesn't challenge us to do anything, then what Sunday will? I would love to see what would happen Folks were fully unleashed in the word. And the funny thing is, I don't know what's going to happen when the spirit fills you the way it filled Dr. King. There's a story they tell about Dr. King quickly, and then I will move, I promise. That they, He got a call one night, and he was someone on the phone saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your family, I'm going to do all, I'm gonna, I will do all these things to you. The person was not playing, and he was so rattled, he got up and he went to sit with God. And his prayer life, if you know, was legendary. He went to sit with God in the kitchen, and he closed the door. And they talked about when he came out, what he said was he had made some decisions. The decision he has made that if he has to lose his life for the sake of the gospel, for going all in on the movement, he was ready. You see, he had to decide, God can take care of my children. God can take care of my wife. God can take care of the movement. There's a point where he had to go all in for God and let the word that he was reading get so far in him that it became the only thing that mattered. And we see the result. What would God do with you? What would God do? What causes breaking your heart? if you went all in. If you moved out of the gray and stepped towards the light. And I'm sorry to take such a serious tone, but something happens inside me. There are so many churches I've been in that do not have the move of the spirit that you had. This is not by chance. Lady Carmen has been praying for this thing for years. I've been coming to one person since I was a college student. She's been in that place praying for this season, for you to come, and for you to lay hold of the things that God wants and to go out and do something. So you don't have to know where you're going, and I and I I hope I'm not scaring anyone. You don't have to know where you're going. The Lord has his plan. Today we're going to focus on very practical things. Taking things out of the gray them into the light. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the scripture. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 to 13. I'm coming from the New King James. I know this is a Passion Bible church. Forgive me. Read along with me. Um, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him and said to him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray that you'd give me the words and the heart and the ears. Give us all the words, the heart and the ears to hear what you want to happen here. I pray that any word that I speak that is not for anyone, that it would fall to the ground and not harm them. But if it is for them, that it would take root in their heart. Father, let the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Oh God,
1: my refuge
0: and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about truth and power. We've already started defining what is your truth, right? What is the truth and what is is the power that you operate in? You see, power has an interesting connotation because it's based on a lot of what you believe. The devil shows us what he thinks is power by what he attacks Jesus on, right? Jesus is just at the beginning of his ministry. There's a very tiny chart. I don't think you can read it, but the point I wanted to make here was Jesus is just at the beginning. He has not done anything yet. He spent 30 years being a carpenter's son. Okay? He had some signs that things were a little weird around his, you know, his childhood, right? He had a different relationship to his father, God. But he he's not yet operated on in any of his giftings okay and at this point he goes out like everyone else and gets baptized by john the baptist a dove comes from heaven and he gets a great declaration he gets a word from the heavens over his life that he's going to do this these amazing things and then from there he's led by the spirit into the wilderness and and i point this out because this is a demarcation of the beginning of his ministry this temptation from God is critical as far as where he was going to go, what he was going to accomplish. I think sometimes as, you're, as I'm sitting there and I, and I think about this, I kind of relate to the point of not knowing what to do with your life. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I think it's becoming clearer, right, Lady Carmen, it's becoming clearer. You see, because I think there's a way in which you have a dream and a hope and that you're going to do something great, but how you get from here to there is never clear. Jesus had to go from Carpenters' son to savior of the world. He didn't have background in his resume for it. There was no experience that he could claim because he was fully man and fully God, right? So it, in his, God, the devil's testament is full manness. I remember when I was my mid-twenties to late-twenties, I had a great job in the pharmaceutical industry starting off, and I would go to work every day and I'd come back and at some point I said, there has to be more to life than this. I don't know if you've, if you've been there, where you, where you're earning what you want to earn. Like brother Dunsey, when God gives you worship like this and financial blessing and a wonderful spouse. I was single then. I was, I was sitting there and there was a question, is this all? And I remember it so troubled me that I used to, I'd get in my car and I'd just start to cry. I don't know if others have been there. I cried, and I didn't cry like, you know, like, kind of like soft tears. I cried like, turn up the music and make people think you're singing crying. Like, ah! (laughs) Screaming, crying. Because is this job. Is this what people do for 60 years? Go in and work and come out and and go to church and go in and work. Is this all that God has for me? Oh, I cried and it, it was like it must have been at least 3 or 4 weeks. I'd get my car and it would be cry time. I put on my gospel and go. And I understand that sense of despair that Jesus must have felt being in this place. 40 days in solitary No disciples yet, right? All he has is the call from John. And the enemy tests him. So let's look at what the enemy does. So temptation one. Go to the next slide, please. So let's look at this. Verse one and two. Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, nothing, And afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Let's just think about that. What is the devil appealing to there? Hunger. His physical, his physical need. That's important because for many of us, we don't get past the physical need. You see, in the space of going from darkness to light, bringing everything to God, some of the things that stay in the darkness, frankly, a lot of them, at least in my life, related to physical need. Right? Those are things we, because they're physical, we can control them, control when people see them, when they don't. And Jesus was hungry. And there's a second level here, because the devil said to him, you're the son of God. You you have the power to do this. Now, Jesus had not yet done any miracles that are recorded. Right? The devil speaks to him, "I I know you're a superhero. I know you can do this. Do it. But Jesus comes back to him and says what? It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That sense of physical need, and that refers to a verse in Deuteronomy. So let's understand, what, why was Jesus quoting this scripture? This verse in Deuteronomy refers to the time when the children of Israel were, were in the 40, day, 40 years in the wilderness, and God was providing for them literally every morning food, manna on the ground that they picked up and they ate. It also marks that remember in the 40 years your clothes didn't wear out. Your shoes didn't give way when you're walking. Jesus is saying he's not just saying the word of God meaning just you know listen to God talk. Let's be clear. The word of God is how God makes things happen. When God wanted to create the world what he spoke he said let there be and it was. What Jesus is saying is rather than taking for yourself, taking what you need, taking what you want, and then praying for what you need, what would happen if you trusted God to provide for you? What would happen? What would if you counted on God to provide for you? And the devil knows that this area it's one that all of us struggle with. If you want to get to that version of yourself, that Martin Luther King, that filled with the spirit version, this is one area that we're going to talk about moving from dark to light. Amen? The second one, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you. Right? For it has been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. What is the devil appealing to there? Power. His power and his status. See, this is a hard one because our society rolls in power. You want to get higher, you want to get places, you want people to recognize you so you can have the the ability to do what you want to do. Right? Power is very important, but the power of God is very different. You got to take the power of the Spirit. in God, see, like Martin Luther King, when you give up yourself, when you yield your weakness, that's where God's power becomes strong. The world, he got to amass power, got to amass status. And this is very hard for me to say because those who know me know that this is an area of real struggle for me. For a while, I didn't understand how anyone powerful, these politicians, really wealthy, can be Christians. I used to go around and say that. I don't see how you can be a Christian. And I ask those who forgive me who I've had those conversations with. I honestly, genuinely did not believe that you could have so much and follow God. Generally. Because the temptation would be so great to trust in that. Like we're talking about fully giving to God, fully light, all in. How do you give up everything that you have amassed, all your power for God? And how do you even know if you do that? How do you even not even know how to operationalize that? How do you know when you make a decision? You're making a decision based on God, what God wants you to do, versus what you what you have, what you've amassed. But I understand that when Jesus answered him, he said, get behind me, Satan. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Because the devil said, serve me. See, a temptation is that for something else to be your God. God. has really hit me in a very serious place because for many of us the enemy doesn't have to do anything huge you will lose everything that happened in this place that wonderful spirit you will lose it ten minutes from leaving here if you find that one check bounced Or if you win the lottery. Either way. Thank you, Elder. Either way. Wait, this is real to me because I have a lot of people who struggle with this in my life. I I have a dear friend and a brother who he prayed to God as he tells his story for the lottery. And God gave him the lottery numbers in a dream. Real story. God gave him three, he just didn't give him the fourth one. Right? (laughs) He didn't give him the the Powerball that, you know, that 20, 50. But the money he won, the millions he won, were enough to get him out of debt and just get, just get him starting back from the. Right? And so he we're thanking God with him, praising God. Amazing for what God has done. His testimony, he was in the church, big time. the next thing, we moved away and, and I was looking him up. And I looked him up and I saw an article with his name in it. And I said, this couldn't be him. Because the context of the article was a brother who was in prison for embezzling money. And so I just clicked and I read more. And my heart grew sad. Because what happens when God blesses you with what you want? And then you meet another challenge. What would you expect your behavior to be? Because God has already blessed me once. Lottery numbers in a dream. How many people get that? How many people get that? Just so you know what your God is capable of. Now, I'm not advocating playing lottery. Lady Carmen, I want to be very clear. That is throwing your money away. If God hasn't told you, don't play. Right? You need a sound financial plan. There's someone in here who can help you. That is not a financial plan. And, and, and I'm sorry if you play a If you had to hear from me, I, forgive me. That is the truth. I'm just going to tell you. But imagine getting all that from God. And then the next time he faced a challenge, he was still in the gray But what he could do. And so instead he stole money and he was caught. And so if I wanna go see him, I wanna go to the penitentiary and I wanna say, God gave you all that. How does that happen to people of God? See, it makes me think we're a special breed. Unfortunately, that is not the only story. You see, the the power and the status and your stuff that we're in the church praising and all this stuff, but what's most important to us at the end of the day? What is it? It can't be both. It can't be both. You see, the point of the scripture, and I understand, and if, if you know, I always talk about reading scriptures. Everyone's not excited about reading all the scripture in the world, reading the Bible the year through. Some of us are. Bishop is. We think that's great. We love that stuff. I get that, that everyone's different. But if reading the word is something that you you just, you, you don't see any purpose for, that's an indicator. That's an indicator that you may be in the gray on some areas. And check your stuff. My children and I were driving one day and they saw a homeless guy just barefoot in winter. You know this bitter cold, bitter, bitter cold. And they saw a man barefoot in a wheelchair. And I was driving by because that's what we do. And the boys started to protest saying, we have to buy him socks. We have to buy him socks. We got to, dad, stop the car. We got to do something. Why? Because their conviction was that which God said, that that's another human being. But my conviction was, I have an agenda to accomplish. And I remember, I had to repent. See, the children, when God says something, they believe it, that that's, that's a child of God. We have to face the fact that we as Christians have to come to the terms that there are people lying on the street in the cold, and we have more than enough, and we keep it to ourselves because we won't let the word transform our hearts. Can you imagine Jesus standing there watching as you walk by someone, and you know, and I know there are months we don't have enough. I know what it is to need God to provide. But if it's all his, Your status, what would it look like? I saw, I was driving myself, Mattapan, cutting through. And I saw a guy, another homeless man, and his hand was so diseased. Like biblical leprosy. And he was reaching such that I was not even able to roll down my window for fear of reaching and touching him. And I I usually like to give something. I try. And so I pulled past him and was in my car. And I looked in my mirror to see what was happening. And I saw the next man behind me. His window came down. His hand came out. And he touched him. And I'm sitting here saying, that's a Christian back there. But then, what am I? I want each of us to look at these questions. If, that, if we can point out what someone doing, being Christ, then, then, then what are we? What are we doing? Is the word transforming our lives Such so that people look and say, wow, I see Christ in the way in which they operate? You see, your stuff, can you skip to the slide with a picture of the, 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 the devil and the angel? Cheers. I'm going to come back to three. You see, this is in our society, an understanding that everywhere you go, This is a very, this is not a Christian understanding that there's a little angel and the devil trying to convince you to do the right thing or the wrong thing, right? Everyone's seen it. as a cartoon. Right? This is Kronk or whoever he is from Emperor's New Groove. And he's talking with the devil and he's talking with the angel, right? But we Christians, we don't see it like this. See, because the devil don't have to come and sit on our shoulder. He just has to give you some stuff, and the stuff will be your God. And if there's no devil, I don't really. I mean, I talk to God whenever I talk to God, right? He doesn't. It's not the devil who comes. It's your stuff. It's your status. It's your privilege. And the question, people take this seriously in the world. This is a very popular tattoo. Many people, this is one of the popular tattoos. A devil on one side, and look at the next one. The next one even has them fighting. Someone has painted on their back an angel spearing the devil to represent the battle that's going on within. Let me tell you, that's what's happening. And if you're not, if you don't realize it, you're not winning it. If all he has to do is give you a new job, give you a new relationship. That's all the enemy has to do to us. And we'll keep running and praising God, thanking for everything he's done. But will our hearts ever become fully filled with the word of God? to do the to, to effect the change God wants to effect. This third one quickly, he says, then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. People didn't know the devil could quote scripture, huh? Oh, the enemy knows the scripture. The question is, do you know it? He is rationalizing with Jesus. He's quoting scripture. That's why it's so important to take scripture in the context of which it was given. You have to understand what did it mean to the people that were reading at the time, right? You don't just pull it out and use it, but the enemy is here saying, throw yourself down. What is this temptation about? Our kind of power, it's about your position, your identity. If you are the Son of God, He should be providing for you. How long you been single? Mm. What's your bank account say? Mm. Didn't you ask for this? Shouldn't your mother have been healed by now? Shouldn't this your identity? If you are who you say you are, why 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 is this going on in your life? He just wants to plant that seed. My father you to say the devil doesn't come and ask you to go from, from you know 90 degree to 90 degree. He comes just, just just take a little just one one degree off. And Jesus responds and says, You shouldn't tempt The Lord your God. And that comes from Deuteronomy again, 16, 16. All these scriptures come from the point in which Moses had the Ten Commandments and God has given the people instructions. And you know what that referred to? That referred to a time when the children of Israel got tired of God providing this food. They wanted, they wanted variety on the menu. (laughs) Manna is great, but that's all we have. We want, we want some soup. We want some steak. And then they start to say ugly things like, why did you bring us out of Egypt to die here? Were there no graves in Egypt? Now, remember, God opened up a sea. They escape from an army, and now they talk about, let's go back and die there. Oh, it got ugly. This is what Jesus is saying. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't tempt him. enemy has some alternative truths for you. And I want to point out that it is okay I need to say the word, I need to say it's, it's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have personal need. God understands that. Right? I've done everyone who knows my story, I've done a lot of work on myself in this area. Right, these are not inherently evil. But the word of God is supposed to be the road map. We talk about Martin Luther King and what would, I wonder if, if, if he fully gave himself into being filled by the word. And we saw the manifestation of that in his life. As you're sitting here today I want you to know that God has that kind of manifestation for you. I don't know what it would look like. You are not just floating here by accident. You're not just meant to bump from job to job. He has a purpose, a place. Like Brother Adunze. Seeing him worship, was there any doubt? That he was meant to worship. I've seen him sitting work week after week. Sitting week after week. But when you see someone operating in their purpose, seeing Brother Austin operating in his purpose. You can tell. The best haircut I ever had was given was by Master William. Bill, you know Bill. See, he operated in excellence through the haircut, Bill would cut your hair for near an hour. Everyone knows Billy's the longest cut in the business. He cut you like you were the king of England. You had to plan time extra to be there. So when I saw him in church, it made sense to me. Why does he give every 10-year-old kid a king's haircut? Because he believed in that kind of excellence. See, I want people to say that about me. Oh, I can see how God was working through him. I can see how it worked. But it's gotta start with these three things. The enemy came after them because he knows they are hard. And he knows they're tough. And he knows we often make these our idols. But guess what? The battle is not lost. Because this book is full of stories of people who he took from being carpenters to be a part of God's plan to redeem the world. You are part of God's plan to redeem this world. See, he sent a secret mission out and he sent Jesus as a different kind of superhero. You see, Jesus had a method when he dealt with the devil. And I want to give it to you right now. Okay? First, Jesus was speaking only the word of God when he was facing temptation. Jesus did not say a word that was not scripture. I I want you to think about that for a minute. And think about the last time you were thinking about doing something and you weren't sure what you should do. I remember when I was in college. Young adult. I was challenged by some of the some of the elders in our church to to, to, to go ahead and date some of the women in the church. Please make it, you know, have healthy relationships. Brothers are scared. I hope brothers are not scared in this church. Our brother's scared. Don't answer the question. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused. But our brother's scared. Someone tell me our brother's scared, okay? And I remember thinking, well, I, I only have unholy intention. So why would I take unholy attention to a Christian sister? Let me just date the sister of the world until I can get holy, then I can... And it, it worked in my mind. Some broken logic. And I did that, and I, I faced the temptation. We, talking back and forth with the enemy. Well, it's, I only kind of... What's first base, second base? Let me look them up, figure out what... All kinds of gray... Because I'm having discussions with the enemy. Well, I feel this. I don't, well, I, well, I didn't have, a, you know, my childhood was this and that. We had to move, all kinds of stuff. Jesus spoke only the word. No rationalizing, no debating. One. Everyone clear on that? I want you to think about the last time you were tempted and what you did. And I want you to think about speaking the word of God, what God says about you. But to speak it, you've got to have it. You can't be looking for Hezekiah 3.15. Wait, wait, did it say that? You know, uh, you know I got to get one of those Bibles that's, you know. No, you have to know the word. You have, to, you have to know something. But if this is what you are about. And this is why I say if you're here and you're uh, uh, you're just, you know, you're you're new into this church thing, God bless you. I appreciate you being here and and keep stepping forward and figure out what the truth of God is for you. But if you're here a while and you still don't even own a Bible. And can't find your way around basic scriptures. What are you saying to the enemy? What are you talking about? You have no devil. Well, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. What do you think? What do you think? It's a 50 50. Gray. God is the God of light. In Him there is how much darkness? No darkness. The second thing is, don't look at your physical, your physical or emotional circumstances. Jesus was in the middle of wilderness, hungry for 40 days. How many people could, I would have chewed a rock, real time, I, Just, you know we Africans would like to chew chicken bones, I, I, let me try this rock. Some of you Caribbeans are good for that too, I know. And he had the ability. And the devil helped him with the idea. Maybe you should make bread. I would like some. You could have some. Doesn't that sound a good idea? It sounds good. And I want us to think about Jesus' response versus Eve's response. Because we call Jesus the second Adam. Right? The devil came to Eve and said, "Mm, it's a shame you can't have any of that fruit, because you, God doesn't want you to be like Him. What did she say? Did she, did she say what God said? No, she started talking. To, well, he didn't say that exactly. What he said was, <laughs> It does look good though. It does sure look good. Uh, well, now we're talking. Now we're buddies. I, I love Jesus because He is the Son of God, and He did not say a word other than scripture he said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word to proceed from the mouth of God and then he shut up and some of us need to learn that too once the Lord has delivered you something shut up and walk in what he's delivered you with My mentor said that, well, Henny, you are great. You're good. you get getting there. You talk to people. Right? My sons said, no, I like to talk. I like to have fun. When there are people who love me at the job, good. He said, but once the sale is done, you're still talking. Yeah. We sold. Shut up and get out. You talk them out of a sale. As soon as they say, yeah, we want it. He said, I'm still, hey, well, yeah, yeah. We got that. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you, God has already given you a revelation. You don't need to be doing this anymore, and you're still in there talking with the enemy. Talking, well, well, maybe, well, maybe he, maybe she'll, maybe. That money you found, it's not yours. Take it to the police station. It's not yours. It's not. You know it's not. Well, maybe it's my blessing. I prayed for it. No, it's not. Right, I mean, ask my ask my wife about this. We, I mean, we were the king and queen of figuring out all the lines. How far could we get? I'm keeping. How far could we get? I remember there was one day where we, we decided to take it a little far. And I came downstairs, hurried out, you know, and you know when you got to, when it gets so bad, you got to run out. <laughs> You just, you just run out of the place eventually. You come to your senses and you run out. And someone had broken my car window. And I had, I had a bunch of worship equipment in the back. Cause so I was doing stuff at church. I had like all the equipment in the back. And they had stolen it all for like amps, Austin, like amps. They stole it like all this whole set out of my, out of my car. And I was standing there like, Lord, no. This was the most costly 50 minutes. 20, like I had to go to my father and say, uh, "Well, the church has equipment that I borrowed." Uh, well, what what were you doing? Why were you in the area? Well, well, well I was I I, I I was passing through and I and I and, and I knew what the truth was, but I was wanting to operate a little bit of gray because it felt good. See, there's a danger. There's, there's, if you're ignorant, that's one thing. But when you know, This is why this word was so hard for me, frankly. My son spoke so beautifully in my father's funeral. And in all that proceeding, I prayed and asked God for a double portion of my father's spirit. My daddy was a preacher, a man of God. And I said, God, give me a double portion of his spirit. And then so a few months later, Bishop was praying for us at Fender of Flames, and he prayed and said, I see you got a double portion of your Father's Spirit. So I, I prayed for it, and then Bishop confirmed it, spoke the same words. And then, and, uh, will you do it with me? Can we. Because I'm wrestling with the knowledge that I cut a deal with God. I know his call on my life, but it was not time, I felt, to be speaking and doing all this. Of course, Bishop came and said, we're going to preach more and more and more. We're going to get you in places. We're going to hit the road with this thing, you know? And I'm like, really, Bishop? I told me, is he serious? The bishop kind of get carried away, lady. He gets excited about things, <laughs> and so I'm supposed to be speaking, and I'm wrestling. I wrote about five sermons before I wrote the one I was supposed to say because I'm not ready. I told God, "Well, God, if you sell my business, if you let my business go well and everything, then I will. I really, I do want to go to seminary. I'm eager." But I need you, you know, I got a family, and so God, if you'd prosper our business. And so this past week, I was in North Carolina with my business team, and I presented them the finances for the last three years. Financials. And people were saying, Amen, Amen, during it. And I was like, What? Why are you Amen during the financials? And so I went up to one brother and said, I said, Hey, why are you, why are you doing that Amen thing? He said, It was like we were in church, you were preaching. And then he said, in fact, I want to start a church. I want to hire you. That way you can run this prosperity gospel and make a bunch of money. <laughs> and I said, I, we would not be doing it. <laughs> why am I sharing this? Because I know it's been confirmed over and over. So why am I fighting? I'm not Ignorant. You see, when you know, there are things God has put in your heart that you know you're supposed to do. I'm looking out here and I see folks. You know, Mr. calling, you know you're not supposed to do this anymore. You are past that. You've been delivered. He has literally freed you. I tell you, I went through a program for sexual relational healing where I could look back on my challenges now you still have to choose to leave them alone, but now I have a choice. I'm not in bondage. It's a wonder that the one that Lord frees you. When you read the word and he gives your scripture, that scripture comes to life. That revelation comes to life. You don't go back. truth as to what God says it is you can't hold on to your stuff you can't hold on to your status you can't hold on to anything but what the word says about you you see because we serve a God Jesus is actually a hero when I looked at the definition of hero it said I don't know do I have that slide in there Okay, thank you oh thank God God bless you, whoever you are behind the light. God bless you. Do we pay these folks? God bless them. You got a tip coming. Glory to God. I looked at the online discernment and said, a hero is a mythological or legendary figure, often of designed, divine descent, endowed with great strength or ability. I said, what? Often of divine descent? That means someone who has God like, has a relationship, comes from God, has some God like something happening in them. You say Jesus' superhero gift was he took himself and he was the living word. Turned a bunch of uneducated fishermen into men who wrote the written word so that they could give it to you, so you could you could read it and experience the revealed world in your life, so you could be the kind of hero that meets the challenges that are present before you. Do you follow me? Martin Luther King was not a god. He was a man just like us. But he filled himself with the word of God. His presence life meant more to him than all his stuff. What would happen? What kind of hero would you be? What problems would be solved in this world if you let the word of God turn you into the hero that God created you to be? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being patient with me. And I know that if you were patient with me for these years, you didn't do it because I was special. You did it because that's your nature. I pray that the revealed word would be the standard by which this church walks. I pray that those on the sound of my voice now who are sitting there with something burning inside their hearts that they know is sitting in the gray that needs to be in the light, that you would speak to them. And let this be the day they determine to be people of light in whom there is no darkness. I pray God for everyone who is holding on to one of those three things. Their position or their identity. Their power or their status. God that you would either be God over everything Well, that you would slowly start to take. I pray, God, that you would leave no one in the deception that they can be their own God. Take it all, God. Lord, I pray for every fearful spirit. Right now, who's heard this word and it strikes them as something frightening or challenging. Oh, God, let them know you're the God of love. And your word, that's what you do. This is your business. You take broken people like we do at PT and turn them into the heroes that you need to save the world. So Father, we honor you today for what you have done, for what you have started. Do not leave anyone unfinished. Anyone who's sitting here now and knows that they have more to do and a way to go. Do not let them settle. Do not leave them, God, in the middle. You are the God who will finish what you started. For you have a plan for our lives, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. So may it be so. We give you all honor and glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Let all God's people say,